Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It is Wednesday and uh, it's Chris Graham, Scott German. We're going to talk more about uh, ACC realignment prospects, uh, just in general, college athletics realignment. Not a lot of news to report, uh, but uh, this is a topic all over the place, even though there's nothing new happening and, and may not happen for, for some time. Scott, we were driving back from the ACC football kickoff close to a year ago last year. Uh, it was It's always in July. In fact, we'll be going in a couple of weeks, I think, to this year's kickoff. And um, uh, it seems like... Um, you know, when we were driving back last year, the Texas-Oklahoma news had just hit about the, those schools getting ready to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. And, uh, you know, we were feverishly trying to tune in whatever radio station we could find that could have give us the latest. And I think we kind of – I'm kind of remembering that, you know, the first few days, maybe first couple of weeks after that, we were waiting for the next shoe to fall and no shoes fell. Um, in fact, I mean, until, you know, last week when USC and UCLA uh, made the announcement that they were seeking Big Ten membership, which was quickly approved. So it could be that or it could be sometime sooner. I'm thinking probably more of the, the, the earlier than the latter, but um, that doesn't mean we don't want to talk about it. We find figure out where things might be going. But, man, this is this is feeling like deja vu all over again. Yeah, and it does. And, and, and before we went on the air, you made a great point. Um, what else is there to talk about right now? Um, Major League Baseball is about all we've got right now. And if you look at the current um, standings, um, some of them, you know, there's some <laughs> some runaways taking place, especially over in the American League. Um, so there's not a lot to talk about. Um, but college football, uh, and more specifically, college football realignment. Um, so let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, and, and so we'll talk about the fact there's nothing new. <laughs> which I'll, but, you know, the, the ACC uh, athletics directors met uh, by Zoom last Friday, uh, the morning after the news uh, about USC, UCLA, and the Big Ten hit. And according to reporting in the athletic uh, sources there, including one source being an athletics director who was on the phone, one of the Zoom phone call, said that uh, it was business as usual uh, as far as their discussions. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the big idea there being what will happen to Notre Dame. Notre Dame was on the phone call. Jack Swanigan, the athletics director there, was on the phone call. Really no, nothing, nothing moving in that respect. Um, there've been plenty of, of rumors and I think, you know, wh whatever the veracity thereof, I, I don't think too highly of, of the, the rumor bin in this kind of thing. I think that there's probably some people out there who, who claim to be media folks who really aren't, and they're just trying to get people's attention on Twitter and that kind of thing. But, you know, there were hot rumors about Notre Dame was going to make an announcement. Um, uh, other schools are thinking about things. Nothing concrete is all I will say as far as what we know. Um, I, I was just uh, I was communicating with our colleague Jerry Ratcliffe, who knows more about UVA athletics than it, really anybody, and certainly knows all all the all the key players. And I'm not saying he's not saying anything is going on. He just didn't talk about it in that context uh, at all. That that you know, it, from what he's hearing, anything's being discussed behind the scenes. So, um, as far as UVA is concerned, so. 
right now we have a lot of hot air. Uh, we have a lot of dead air as well, because as you mentioned, Scott, we, we have, we're two weeks from the ACC football kickoff. That sort of kicks off things in general. Practices start after that. We'll have media days at the various schools. Two weeks, we've got nothing else to do but speculate about this kind of thing. So um, that's probably why it's got the attention it's gotten uh, in that respect. Um, so uh, that's kind of where we are. There's, there's no news, but we're just all uh, waiting to see what happens next. So a question for you. So if, if you follow football carefully, like what we do, um, we all know about CTEs, right? Mm-hmm. And the concern and, and the news that we read is that, and I follow, and I follow this, so I did some research and it is true that there's one of the lowest levels of participation in youth football ever. Yeah. So parents are keeping their kids away from little leagues, right? Right. Um, they're, they're just not playing. Um, some leagues uh, in Virginia had as many as uh, 60 to 70 teams are now down to eight to 10. Um, the parents are just not allowing their kids to go out and play tackle football at, at, a, at a young age because of all the evidence that their their brains, their skulls aren't developed enough, their bones. Uh, so whatever the reason, they just yeah. feel it's in the best interest not playing. So how is this – why are we to the point where football is driving the main is, – is the main cog behind all of this, TV – revenues and things when we could very well be looking at such low participation levels and when it starts to work its way up in the next five to 10 years that there aren't that many kids playing football. Well, and, and, and thus that the quality of the sport won't be as good. I think that's an excellent observation uh, and it's probably worthy of me examining more. Uh, we'll talk here now, but I think it, it, that's, that, that gives me a brainstorming for, for a, a future uh, column on the topic because because that's all we read about, Chris. I just read the, the, the player that just died a couple of weeks ago, Thomas. Yeah, Demarius Thomas. A young Demarius guy was, before, was diagnosed with the CTE. Yeah. You know, what? I've thought this for a while um, since we started learning about the, the impact of CTE, um, uh, concussions and causing CTE, which then causes uh, aggressiveness, uh, you know, almost early, early dementia. Uh, and then eventually de- the deaths of, of quite a few folks. Now, uh, Demarius Thomas, as far as we know, to this stage, still th- no ruling in his his untimely death at an early age. But, uh, you know, think of Junior Seau dying by suicide, uh, quite a few suicides. Um, uh, Mike Webster, the, the Hall of Fame famed center for the, the, the Steel Curtain teams of the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the 70s, died by suicide. I think he was 52 years old when he died. Um, and was found later to have been impacted by this. Um, uh, you know, th- I think Scott about, I mean, back when I was a kid and, and I'm sure back, it was even more so when you were a kid, think about where bo- the role of boxing in American sports society um, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it, it started falling off though, uh, maybe mid to late 90s. Um, you know, and, and boxing is a sport also impacted by head injuries and con- concussions. And uh, I don't think we've done the study or that, you know, we as a society have done the studies on CTE and boxers, but we certainly know, I mean, we, all we got to do is look at Muhammad Ali, you know, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, 
And um, he was, uh, he's, he's been a diminished man since his early forties from park or early onset Parkinson's. And, and there's no doubt, there's no doubt at all that that was related to all the blows he took in the ring, all those great fights that we loved watching. Um, boxing, uh, boxing today is a shadow of its former self. Football is football 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years away from being that um, a difference being that, Boxing arenas, boxing, the big boxing matches were, were and have been and are still held when there still are big boxing matches in arenas that are also outfitted for, for basketball, for hockey. Um, you know, it's not like when boxing started fading in the, uh, in, in, into the sunset that we, uh, we had all these buildings standing up that were, were of no use. Football stadiums will be of no use. <laughs> <laughs> if if and when and it's going to happen there's no question about it that 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 football is going to have that that cultural downfall that that boxing did and you're seeing it scott you pointed out you're seeing it we're seeing it already if if kids aren't playing if parents aren't letting their kids play it and and it, kids are playing soccer kids are playing you know th that's where they're going they're, they're playing soccer which it has its own ct issues the headbutts of you know when you when you uh, you know, the headers and that kind of thing, headers with passes, headers on shots, but um, not to the degree that football does. Every, everything in football is about using your head and, and hitting people and that kind of thing. But if kids aren't playing football, they're not going to get good at football. And then at some point we're going to watch football and say, well, this is crap. <laughs> why, are we, why do we care about football anymore? And it'll be like boxing. The, be the best athletes don't box, haven't boxed for a long time. Uh, and so, yeah, I think you make a great point there that, we're, we're uh, you know, we as, as a society, once again, athletics directors and college presidents are letting a sport that by the next generation isn't going to be what it is now dictate all these moves. So I gave you a great story idea. You did. It happens. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, the, the story and I'll try to send that to you when we finish it um, so you can have something to refer to. Um, so the NFL has kind of calmed the waters a little bit because they're supposedly teaching new – they're enforcing the head-to-head -head contact. But they did a study and, and found that head-to-head -head contact and tackling only represented about 12% of actual head-to-head -head contact. The head-to-head -head contact that, that is almost unavoidable is line play. Linemen, yeah. Linemen and, 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 and an offensive lineman blocking linebackers too. So right, they, every they single block. play. And guess what? That gets no attention. Well, and that's where – yeah, it's – it's. And look at the, the players in the NFL that have died. Yeah. They're linemen. Well, there's a lot, yeah. You know, Demarius Thomas, a, a wide receiver. Junior Seau, though, a linebacker. I mean, you, you know, uh, Doug Dewar, uh, Dave Dewerson, uh, safety, but a guy who hit hard uh, and, and would have been blocked a lot. Yeah, the, the you know, we what what you're referring to there, Scott. I've I've we've run some stories on Augusta Free Press. Uh, there's a lot of research being done down at Virginia Tech. Actually, they're uh, uh, you know, great engineering school, and and they they've developed um, they, they've tried to work on developing next generation helmets. Um, I've, I, the stories we've, we've written about that in the past include how they've put sensors in the helmets to kind of try to, to try to, uh, you know, get a handle on where those hits come from and, and the hits that, that make the brain swish around in there that causes when they, when the brain, you know, moves around the skull and hit, bruises up against the skull, that's the concussion. Um, and yeah, they found that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the big hits that we, 
still aren't taken out of the game. Every time there's a there's a penalty flag thrown about, you know, one, on one of these hits, you know, it, you know someone's still on, gotten hit, right? Well, the guy's still gotten hit, but also the the fans, you know, if it's against your team, you don't like it. Um, oh, they review it, and yeah, yeah, you're right. After, after. UVA fans know this. So UVA fans listen to this podcast. How many of our wide receivers last year got hit with cheap shots where uh, the 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 flag was picked up? Uh, you know, we we saw it ourselves several times last year. Dontavian Wicks was knocked out of um, what was it, a Louisville game, and didn't get to play a game after that because he got knocked down by a hit early in the game. Um, and, and they picked the flag up. So, you know, and, and the announcers who are, you know, the, the color commentators, at least, who, who tend to be former players, always talk about, you know, when, when they throw the flag, they don't like the calls. It's, you know, this isn't the game I played. So, you know, the fans aren't accepting it. The, the P- TV people are telling us not to accept it. Um, people in the stadiums boo. And yet um, even those – so even that rule, <laughs> I mean, what, what can we do at some point? You've, you've seen some people suggest – uh, maybe taking the face mask off of helmets so that that would discourage people from leaning in with their face, uh, both in a blocking and hitting perspective. That might actually might do it. It's interesting. Or maybe take the helmets off. Helmets off might, in general, right? You might think twice about lowering your head and going head to head with no helmet, right? Well, but it, it, even if you just had a helmet because, you know, to prevent falls, like a, a person riding a bike needs a helmet. If you if a receiver jumping for a ball or a defensive back jumping for a ball or, or a lineman getting knocked over on his head, at least have the helmet, but kind of like that Joe Theismann helmet with just that one little crossbar. Right. It's <laughs> not going to stop you from leaning in. I mean, you're, gonna, you're not going to lean in if your whole face is exposed except for just basically the chin strap. Yeah, and that one little crossbar across Theismann's uh, face mask sure didn't do him much good when he got his leg broken about three different spots. Oh God, that play! Yeah, they maybe and you know maybe maybe the the those first generation helmets, those leather helmets that the guys wore back in the twenties and thirties were were not a bad idea. They didn't have face masks at all. They just chin strapped them on there, and they but they weren't they weren't leading with their heads, and they weren't they weren't doing a lot of things that our guys are doing now. Uh, but maybe that's the solution. But but yeah, um, y- you know, the sport has definitely got some some questions to answer health wise that are uncomfortable. And they I, I don't think that from the lowest level of the sport to the highest level that they're anywhere close to to dealing with the actual problem there. Yeah. So that you're so that the assignment is what's all the hullabaloo about a sport that may not be relevant or recognizable in 20 years? And, and there's no denying that because I'm telling you, you can look, go look up the numbers. Yeah. Uh, record low youth participation in football. So if you're not participating as a, as a uh, eight to 12 year old, what's the likelihood you don't go into high school all of a sudden deciding to play it? Well, I remember, and this has been a while when I say a while, I, I bet it's 10 or 15 or 20 years. I remember the story about Joe Montana wouldn't let his, his kids play football until they were in high school. Um, uh, Joe Montana, and this is not this is before CTE was ever even identified as an issue. Um, he didn't want his kids to play until they were in their in, in high school. And you know, uh, think back how you have not heard of Joe Montana's kids playing football. So you know, uh, they it, them not starting until later meant that they didn't have football careers, and they were Joe Montana's kids. So um, uh, you know, actually, you see more and more, uh, you know pro football players, retired pro football players say that they wouldn't let their, their boys play football um, because of what they know about the sport from what, the way they played it. So, um, 
yeah, the, the, those folks know there's plenty of other, you know, plenty of other parents who are saying the same thing. And boy, uh, you know, I was, I listened to a podcast recently, the, the writer Malcolm Gladwell uh, did a piece on uh, a long, a long podcast piece on, um, and this, I think it was from a couple of years ago, but I just listened to it in the last couple of weeks about how it, it's hard to figure that colleges and universities that are bastions of higher learning, uh, you know, theoretically, um, ignore the research and, um, and, and allow their student athletes to go out there and continue to engage in the sport at all. I mean, it, there's, there's a push from some to say, why are we even playing this sport on college campuses? I mean, you know, we, we're, we're, we follow and, and cover very closely the University of Virginia. They've got some great They've got some great medical research going on at the University of Virginia. University of Virginia is one of the leading research hospitals in, in the nation. Um, how, how can you justify knowing what we know about, and it's, there's still a lot more to be learned, but knowing what we know about the impact of, of head injuries uh, on long-term uh, lifespans uh, in football and then, and then play football? How, 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 can you, how can you have both things going on at a university at the same time? Well, I, I would take a guess and say that the answer to every question is money. And that is, that is when you, when you, and, and that's exactly right. And when you put it that way, how abominable is that? It's terrible. That, because we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're not valuing an 18 to 21 or 22 year olds uh, body. We're putting money above that. And yeah. even at, like you said, even at one of the top research universities in the country, maybe the world, you know, Yes, um, but yet on Saturday afternoons, five blocks from where all this research is going on, the players are beating the brains out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Gosh, uh, you know, it's a short walk from short walk down stadium road to the UVA um, medical center. It's, it's, it's not a long walk at all. I've made it many times back in my days, walking grounds when I was a student at UVA. It's, it's a, it's a five minute walk. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard. And, and UVA, I mean, you name the schools, uh, all the Ivy league schools play football. They don't play it at the level that, uh, you know, the power five do, but they play football. Um, university of North Carolina is a great research institution. I mean, there's, there's plenty of schools that aren't just jock schools that allow this to go on. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've been troubled by this. Uh, we, we cover football. We go to the games. We let ourselves emotionally get wrapped up in it. And, but I've been, you know, I've been troubled by this for a few years now. Uh, and and I, I say that we're still at the very beginning stages of learning what we will eventually know. I feel like we're still at the stage like medicine was in the 1600s when they used leeches to, you know, cure diseases, thinking that they, the leeches would get the blood out and that would, that would be great for your, your long-term survival. I think we're still at that level. It's, we, we still you know, the, the, the research has only been going on since about 2005, 2006, uh, the, uh, Boston universities led the research and, and we're still at the, at, at the very, very infancy phase of learning what we can learn. Um, and yet we know what we know, which is that every time, uh, I mean, the, the, these, the, the, it's so bad for the former football players that often when they die by suicide, they are, they're making, the effort to not shoot themselves in the head and leaving instructions behind to family members 
to please donate their brain to science so that their their brains can be studied. They're shooting themselves in a chest or something like that so that they preserve their brains so that they can they can find out their family can find out after the fact if they if they had CTE and that contributed to their death. That's that's how sad this story is. Yeah, I'm a talk, Scott, and we've gone down an interesting well, only only on our podcast. Are you are you going to get this information? And it's either going to turn people completely off or they're going to they're going to be, you know, just mesmerized by what we're saying. So that's a perfect segue into to what I wanted to kind of bring to the uh, discussion here. So. So we're, with conference realignment and where the ACC might be, where they might go, I don't want to talk about grant of rights or anything like that. So I'm, uh, having you on the show is a great – you're going to be a great resource for this. So what do you think this po- the possibility of where we are right now at a crossroads of football, that top academic universities like your alma mater – that get millions upon millions of dollars donated to them by people that have no earthly interest in sports at all. Or do we agree with that? Oh yeah. There's yeah. There was a $50 million donation this past spring for a new theater education center, just among many monies that go to nothing involving football or sports at all. I had someone that is in the know just recently tell me, you'd be surprised at how many alumni, how many big time benefit benefactors of UVA, that would just as soon see athletics go away. Oh yeah, there's there is um, definitely that a lot that, more than you would think. There is definitely so, that divide among the UVA community, no doubt about that. So, could it be that that the university is at a crossroads in football to where they say, "Look, the table, to, the, the the cost of playing at this table now is just so great." to win a national championship or to be competitive that we don't see, we don't see it as worth it. And that we're going to develop, we're going to devote our efforts and our time to the non-revenue sports and basketball. Because if you look across the country, there's a lot of schools that are really, really good in basketball. I'm just going to give you a couple that have, that have either no football team or de-emphasize it yeah. tremendously. Gonzaga, Villanova. Mm-hmm. Um, you can help me out here. BCU, St. John's. BCU, uh, St. John's. Georgetown, um, most, Georgetown plays in, – and some of these schools play at the lower division levels, but Georgetown Georgetown has a one A team, I think. Um, They've traditionally been good. They haven't been good for a while. But they're uh, Butler, I would imagine, would fit Butler, in that category. Yeah, right. Basically, anybody that's currently in the Big East basketball conference, uh, the revived Big East <laughs> – they're not football. They're Which not is football. doing very well, and they as, do, a bas- as a basketball conference. I think I mentioned VCU, but v- you know VCU fits in that realm. Um, uh, you know, as if they've been to a Final Four in basketball, they're they're a Marquette, power. Marquette, Marquette. Uh, would, yeah, definitely fits in. That I mean, realm. there's a lot more out there than you than you think. If we had time to again just fodder for your story, um, so do you think there's any discussions going on behind the scenes that? At, at schools like UVA, I'm certainly that's it's not going on at Clemson or North Carolina, or maybe that, okay, we're still play football, but we're not going to worry about playing football at that table where the big boys play 
that the cost of doing so is, is just not worth what we're going to have to sacrifice academically Well, to play uh, there. We, we had a groundbreaking at UVA here a few weeks ago, uh, probably over a month ago now. It was late May um, for the new football operations center, which is going to be a $90 million investment by UVA. Um, and, I, you know, you know me, Scott, uh, and I know that listeners out there and people who read Augusta Free Press know my thinking on this. I've been tortured on this one, too, that, uh, you know, to me, to, I, I, I just don't see how – University of Virginia, with its academic standards uh, and its the, the admissions department's lack of willingness to adjust those academic standards uh, to the degree that would be necessary to get more uh, young student athletes uh, who can play championship caliber football into the into the school. Um, with without that, uh, I, I don't see the University of Virginia ever being. Um, anything close to a national championship contender, ACC championship, especially with the new ACC rules with, with the, the, the elimination division play after this season. Um, and so, yeah, I, I question, I, I question myself. I would not invest money. I would not write a big check to EVA for a football operations center. I would, I would write the check for the Olympic sports center, which is the second phase of this, um, which I believe they're working to get, uh, the ground broken on that sometime next year um, because, you know, there, there is great potential still. I mean, obviously Virginia's won, the, the school has won 31 national championships now, none of them in football. Um, and so the, the other sports programs, basketball and, and the other sports programs, the other 20, the other 26 programs other than football, varsity programs other than football do great at the university of Virginia, you know, and I, and I have to question, um, you know, Scott Stadium, as we know, Scott, because we, we're there every Saturday in the fall when they play, um, is not, has not been full for a long time. I, I think I looked, I, I looked this up the last time that there were over 60,000 people at Scott Stadium was in 2008. Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was the USC game. They had to bring a marquee opponent in to, to get over 60,000 for that game. That's the last time there was a sellout at Scott Stadium it was in 2008. Um, we couldn't even sell out Notre Dame last year. Uh, couldn't sell out no- Florida State in 2019. Or Virginia uh, Tech. Can't sell out Virginia Tech games. Yeah, it, it, we, as we jokingly refer, we're always upset with the Tech fans for – we're disappointed in the Tech fans for not buying up our tickets for us. Um, and so it's a sport that's already seems to have lost interest among the fan base, and we're going to be spending a lot of money, and we know – there's no, there's, there's just no way that we're going to win a championship in that sport, spending all that money. It just, I, so I have to wonder, you know, if you, if you factor in how much money you spend on football and then how much money you make on football, would, would you not, would, would, does football really pay the bills as they say, or is it just that the TV money from football pays bills and we're not really earning a lot of that money? Um, we're riding the coattails of Clemson and, and past years, Florida State and Virginia Tech, ACC, you know, programs that did great in, in, the, in the recent past. And we're just kind of taking the money, kind of like revenue sharing in MLB. We're like the Kansas City Royals, and we're just taking the money and, and balancing our books with it. Would, would we not just do better if we focus somewhere else? Right. And we're not the only school in the ACC that does that. Oh, we've, got, we've, got a, we've got plenty of company. you got Wake Forest. You've got Boston College. Uh, Pretty much the rest of the conference, except for Clemson. <laughs> Pretty much. And, and I'm sure that's kind of what's, you know, maybe 
the thorn in Clemson's side right now is we've been pulling this conference along, which again, this is a, another topic is why don't you just base your revenue on how much a team spends? You know, Clemson should get more of the TV money than Wake Forest should. Well, not necessarily how much they spend, but how much they win. How much they win, yeah, or a um, combination of. But we 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 reward teams who the schools programs that don't try to win as much, or you know, I mean, if you because to win, we know it's 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 the same in, in in pro sports, Scott. We're we're fans of two teams right now that are in different phases of rebuilding. Um, I'm thinking of the perpetually rebuilding teams, though, like the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Kansas City Royals. I just don't think they care. They don't. They don't put the money into the player development. They don't have the money in the, the the like the Caribbean academies, like the the uh, Orioles. Those have- ownerships. I just read a story about that. Those ownerships are in it to just make money, keep yeah. expenses as low as possible, right, right, and take take the profit from revenue from um, from um, revenue sharing. And that's kind of like what some of the lower tier teams, if like you just said, almost all of the ACC has been doing to Clemson. The Clemson is the New York Yankees of the ACC and everybody else is the Kansas city Royals and the um, uh, Cincinnati Reds. And to some degree, Tampa, although they've been yeah. successful, they don't, they don't put, they don't spend the money. Um, I, I may have over, oversimplified that, but you know, cause the point th- th- there are schools who are trying, they just don't try very well. I mean, they aren't trying very smartly. Maybe we'll say Miami's trying. They just can't get it all together. They haven't had the right coach for since Larry Coker back in the early two thousands, Florida state um, has, it's only, it was 2015. I think the last time they were part of the national conversation, 2014, they were in the playoff. I think 2015, they won 10 games. And they've been awful since, um, but and, and they're firing coaches left and right, so they're still trying. They're just not getting it right. Virginia Tech tried to do something. They got they they pushed Beamer out the door a little too soon, and then the guy they got uh, in his place stunk, and now they got a new guy. And Virginia's trying. It's not like we don't spend money on here. We're getting ready to spend ninety million dollars on a football ops center. That's more than Clemson put into their ops center. We're paying a lot of money to a new coach again. Um, so, but then there are the Dukes, there are the Boston colleges, you know, um, that, so it's, it's one thing to try and not be good at it. Um, and it's all, it's another thing to just not try. And there's plenty of those just not trying. There's, there's enough, there's enough Dukes and who else will we throw in that category? Georgia tech has been, has been dormant for a decade now. I mean, there's oh, enough of those. Some schools, it's just in, so let's put it. I'm just going to pretend I'm putting this thing on, put us on pause for a moment. We talked about it at length how the only, the only path that Virginia would have of ever winning a national championship in football would be for the college football playoffs to expand to a minimum of 12 teams. Minimum of 12, yeah. Maybe preferably to enhance the possibility 16. Oh yeah. Well, well one double a, I'll still call them one double a, they have 24 in their playoffs, but, but yet a year, just a, less than a year ago, the, the Alliance that was formed, which is that, that joke of an Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, was formed primarily to stop the expansion of a, from going past four. Yeah. So if you're if you're if you're President Ryan A. D. Williams, and that's your and you you are adamant that you don't think college football should be expanded past four, 
what are you saying? What are you doing? What do you what? Where does that leave Virginia in that equation? Forever, ever hoping to maybe win a national championship in football. Well, and you know, and Ad Williams had to vote with the rest of the ACC athletics directors uh, to approve this three five five scheduling, which gets rid of the divisions, which makes it harder for anyone not named Clemson to get in that ACC championship game. We've noted this a lot that Virginia won a coastal division championship in 2019. We were at the, that game. We went to the orange bowl that year. I mean, you know, Virginia was a player uh, at, at that time. They were, they were, they were there. They, they didn't back their way into it. They were not in three regular season. Um, could have even been better. Uh, you know, could, there were a couple other games there that were very winnable uh, in that not in three season, not regular season that is. Um and uh, but now you can't just be better than six other teams in your division. You got to be better than twelve other teams in the ACC, and it's just really hard to figure that Virginia can can be that. It, you know, I ran some numbers and uh, looking back at the last, um, I guess it was the seventeen years uh, of uh, ACC championship games uh, in the division era. Um, you you pretty much going to have to have seven be seven and one to be in that game. Uh, and Virginia has only gone seven and one in the ACC once in its history. Um, and so, yeah, we, so we made ourselves, it made it harder for ourselves to even get an ACC championship game. And then, yeah, then we're also supporting not expanding the playoff. So we're never going to be a top four to be a top four team. You've got to be 12 and one at worst uh, after your conference championship game. Um, we're not going to ever be 12 and one. We've won 10 games once in our history. Um, so why, why are our leaders, you know, voting against our interests and then we're still spending $90 million on a football ops center? None of this makes any sense. It, it doesn't to me, which begs another question. <laughs> Would that anonymous individual that gave $90 million? I don't think it was an individual. There were quite a few individuals. Would they give that money knowing that Virginia – is not willing is more than willing to just take the back seat here and, and take whatever fallout happens to the ACC. Well, but you see the, the, the people who get, who give these dollars, they, they've been wooed by people we know well. Um, yes. And it gets and, paid to woo them. And they're, they're paid to woo them and, and, and they're being sold something. And of course, if you've got that kind of money, you're not dumb. Um, you did something to earn that. Well, some people might have inherited, but I think that the UVA people, uh, there's not a lot of inheritance kind of money there. There's, there's, there's people, people that, that work to, for it. They work. do something. Yeah, they had to do something smart to earn that money. So they're not dumb with their money. But they're also probably, a, you know, they're a bit blinded by, we have a, we're UVA people where we bleed orange and blue and we think we can, you know, we're the best at lots of things. We have, you know, one of the best medical schools and one of the best law schools and one of the best undergraduate programs in the country. And we strive to be the best in everything. And why can't we strive to be the best in football? And so, you know, it's not that a fool and his money are being parted here, but, you know, you can you can fool yourself into allowing your money to go somewhere it doesn't need to go. And uh it's so in that realm, yeah. I think that there's, you know, there there was a, a a bit of a salesmanship kind of thing going on there. But me, I, I would be the person asking the if if I had the big checkbook that some of these folks have to have 
to be approached by the, the folks who were, who were paid to woo, I'd be asking lots and lots and lots of questions. Hey, I'm not going to just write you a check for $10 million towards this thing. What are you going to do with it? How, how are you going to make this happen? Um, why did you vote to expand uh, the, the, the schedule, change the schedule? Um, and why did you vote not to expand the playoff? Why, why are these things? Because otherwise, why am I giving you the money? Right. That, that's, that was my question is why did the, the, the University of Virginia, the ACC align themselves? Was it to, if it supposedly it was to kind of block that expansion? Well, and I think though, you know, the the that alliance was uh, the bigger thing was trying to protect those member conferences from, uh, well, of course, Big Ten's one of those member conferences, ironically, from uh, from the ravages of realignment. I mean, here and here it is, one of the members of the alliance is, is ravaging another conference who was a member of the alliance uh, in realignment. Uh, you know, basically, I mean. I, from what I've read, I think it would the indication would be that perhaps it was late last fall that USC and UCLA, the, the people at those schools, the athletics folks at those schools, um, and the Big Ten people were starting to talk about, hey, what would you know? Do you what you guys want to think about moving here and do your due diligence and run your numbers? We'll run our numbers. We'll see if it works. Um, just a few months after the hands, the handshake deal, the famous handshake deal on the, this this alliance between the Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC was going to save everybody from the SEC. Um, they they shook hands and then and then the Big Ten went to USC and UCLA, the two char- the two like flagship members of that conference, and said, "All right, so much for that handshake deal. We want you." Um, so that just tells you that that even even your word in in college sports right now doesn't mean much of anything. It's got there's got to be some paper behind it, um, and uh, and and dollars that can make that paper. Uh, stand up. So I'm going to read a uh, uh, part of a story that I found uh, recently. Tell me what you think about this. Um, as far as trying to figure out the realignment, and I and I think I'm kind of guilty of this. We should stop looking at bowl games through the lens of the 1980s. We should stop looking at football, college football, through the lens of the 1980s or 90s. When there were fewer and a number of bowl uh, and fewer and a number of team of them pl- bowl games played, factored in crowning a national championship. No longer does that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, bowl games benefit one uh, uh, entity, and that's television. Yes, the, the the bowl games are created for television. Television is the uh, ESPN, Fox. They want to fill content during the holiday season. So they create a bunch of bowl games. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, is that's what's, is that what's driving this now is just content, television ratings, market ratings. So that the ESPNs, the Foxes, the, um, and I've heard another player is seriously thinking about coming into this. Apple TV uh-huh. wants to Apple get in. Apple TV on the, and Amazon. Yes. Yeah, they both want to get in on the Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, streaming. So well, no doubt it's all about content. That's 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 everything at this in this. You know, the reason that is is because in the the still evolving media environment we're in, um, live sports TV is the one thing that is inviolable. Uh, in terms of everything else. It used to be, if you wanted to watch uh, 
the Seinfeld or Friends or whatever TV show, you had to tune in on Thursday night at nine o'clock and you would watch TV. Well, now you can stream that. And, and, and so everybody streams everything, it seems like, right? I mean, the two things you can't stream are news and, and sports because uh, especially sports, uh, you know, you're going to, you want to know the result of the game. If you look at your phone at all, somebody's going to accidentally text you, or you're going to open an email or look at social media. If you're trying to tape a game and find out that, you know, Carolina beat Duke in the final four, um, you can't tape that game and watch it tomorrow, basically. Cause you, otherwise, if you're a big sports fan, you have to like completely cut yourself off from the world until you watch that game. So advertisers know this. They know that it's hard to get people to watch something, a, a sitcom at 8.30 on Tuesday night um, because you can record it and watch it or, or just stream it and watch it whenever you want to. Right. But the, the football game, so, so if 10 million people are tuning into a college football game, that's like 50 million would be tuning in in the 70s. You know, uh, you, you, gotta, you got there's a factor, there's a number there. So, so as a result, sports properties are very valuable to advertisers. That's a, and, and they're thus valuable to networks. Networks want to buy those eyeballs. And so that's why you have Apple and Amazon. That's why you have ESPN and Fox and NBC and CBS want to get on these things too. Um, and uh, no doubt, I mean, that's because we're trying to still sell. They, they still need to sell ads. They want that's how they that's how TV networks make money is selling ads. Uh, the other way, the, especially for the cable, uh, the subscribers, but those numbers are going down. Um, but if if so, there that's the value is is to um, is, is to the advertisers and thus to the networks. And so the conferences are willingly throwing themselves all over, and, and the schools are willing to throw themselves all over the place because hey. We want to be there to provide the content because that means we can get some of those dollars, and um, so that yeah, that's that's the answer to the question. No doubt, it's about content. We they just want more more games, and and the the bowl games are just the 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 icing on the cake. I mean, it's just content between Christmas and New Year's when most people uh, you know take take off work or or take some time away from work and are sitting in front of a TV. And you know, I found some something. It was a story on ESPN Plus today about how. There were 11 bowl games last year, 11, not just the, the championship, not just the, the playoff games, which would be there with three of those. So three of the 11 were, were the playoff games. Eight other bowl games uh, outdrew the Duke Carolina Final Four basketball game, which is um, amazing to think about. Yeah, that's, that's that's how starved we are for content, apparently between Christmas and New Year's, that we'll watch bad college football bowl games even more than we watch Duke Carolina. And those the, the the Duke Carolina matchups this year were instant classics. The last yeah, the last two the 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 yeah, the last two excuse the me the last especially the final four game man I I was screaming at my TV like I was watching a Virginia game that night <laughs> and uh, but but put that in perspective there were there were lots of college football games college football bowl games that outdrew that game that's a that's to me that's hard to figure. So we're sitting here Tuesday or excuse me Wednesday afternoon. Um, if you had your crystal ball, crystal ball out, which you do have your own crystal, so I do have, yeah. yeah. Um, where do we? Where are we in two weeks? Are, I'm going to give you choices. Are we right where we are now? Has the or has the pack has the Big Ten expanded even further? Has Notre Dame made a decision? 
or 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 as I said, are we just right where we are now? I think we're where where we are now. I started the podcast uh, mentioning that when we were leaving the ACC kickoff last year, roughly a year ago, about fifty weeks ago, um, Texas Oklahoma were were just then announcing that they were thinking about leaving the the uh, Big Twelve for the SEC. And uh, we were awaiting, okay, what, what's going to fall next? We just left the ACC kickoff. Man, wouldn't we love to have been able to talk about that uh, there? And um, nothing happened for, you know, 48 weeks, 47, 48 weeks, whatever it is. Um, but that doesn't mean nothing was happening. It just means nothing got out to the public. Uh, USC and UCLA and the Big Ten were clearly – doing their, their, I keep saying due diligence. They were crunching numbers, making, making sure it all made sense. If we, if, if UC, USC and UCLA jump, here's how much more money we think we will make. The big 10's got to do their numbers and show them that they can make that much more money. Um, I don't, I, I would not anticipate that anybody else who didn't already start this process and see, and to me, the big 10, um, if they, if they had other people who were in the midst of a similar process, if, say, they had reached out to UVA and UNC, uh, just as two examples that have been thrown out around a lot because of uh, the academic ties that would make a lot of sense and that kind of thing. If they had already reached out to UVA and U UNC and said, we want you guys to also consider being part of the Big Ten, I would think that if I'm – everything about this, the Big Ten would have wanted to roll out not just USC and UCLA, but also UNC and UVA. At the same time, it doesn't. It wouldn't make any sense to roll out USC and UCLA and then wait two weeks and have U, UVA and UNC. Oh yeah, we're here too, you know. Um, which kind of indicates to me that these other schools, none of these other schools, Notre Dame. I, I can't see the folks at Notre Dame who've been so fastidious about protecting their football independence are going to decide in two weeks. Um, you know what <laughs> we just did a really fast numbers crunch and we think we should join the big 10 or we should join the acc um these in, any discussions that will lead to an announcement in two weeks would have had to have begun months ago and now that the cat is out of the bag with usc and ucla it's hard for me to figure that the lid could be kept on at the schools that matter uh, that will be thinking about going somewhere, the UVA's, UNC's, Notre Dame's, Clemson's, and Florida State's. Because once once we saw this happen, this seismic shift happen with USC and UCLA to the Big Ten, it's just hard for me to figure. There are so many people who are reporters now who have – I mean, Scott, you're, at, you're on grounds three or four days a week. I mean, um, you know, think about how many people we see in the media room at, at, at UVA football and, and uh, basketball games who have been there for a long time. The David Teals and Jerry Radcliffe's and Doug Dowdy's and, and Jeff White works for UVA, so I wouldn't count him anymore. But, you know, that all, all it would take would be one person telling David Teal, hey, David, um, UVA has been secretly uh, working with the Big Ten for six months. David Teal makes a couple of phone calls. He's got a story. Um, th th that's not coming out now. Um, it's hard for me to figure that if it's not coming out now in that realm, that we're, it, it could be next summer, but I don't think we're anywhere close to anything seismic happening after what we've already seen happen. Yeah. And, and, and I think what hopefully will happen is we'll actually get to the point of being able to play games. 
and that'll <laughs> kind of diffuse this alignment talk for a while. It's not going to, it's not going to make it go away, but it'll kind of, you know, turn to turn the heat down on it. So the one thing, I, I mean, Alina, I think it would make it go away a bit because I think what happens is we're, we're filling, we, we have oxygen right now. We have nothing to use it on. So we're using it on this. Once we have football to talk about, and also I don't think the schools want to make moves during the, the academic sports year. The last two big sets of moves happen in the summertime, not because it's a quiet time and everything else. It's because the sports year is over. And, and, you know, June and July are the times of the year when we don't have baseball and football and basketball all going on. So um, I think that's it's, it's the time when, OK, we're done with everything now. Let's 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 get ready for because also, you know, here's for the ACC part. Um, and, and, and you might be getting ready to ask about this, but ACC doesn't have TV rights coming up till 2036. Um, but the Big Ten has come – theirs is coming up in the next couple of years. The uh, SEC certainly is changing over next year. I think it's next year. Um, Notre Dame's, I think, is through 2026. So, and the to me, the only player here um, – and maybe I'm naive, but I think the only player here is the ACC because I th- maybe mentioned this to you, Scott, or maybe I, maybe I wrote this in a column. I've you know, been doing so much with this the last few days. Um, the only thing that opens up the grant of media rights discussion to to in any way, shape or form is if there's an amendment to it. And one thing that can amend the grant of media rights, uh, to, to, to amend the, the agreement that includes the grant of media rights would be an expansion of the ACC. I guess, theoretically, if someone left the ACC, but th- then, you know, you got your grand media rights and they would have all this money. So if, if the ACC were to have, if Notre Dame, for example, were to call the ACC and say, we've, we've, we've come to Jesus, <laughs> literally, touchdown Jesus said, we need to join the ACC, um, that could lead to a reopening of the grand media, because everybody would have to sign that contract again. Um, right. if, if the ACC were to add a West Virginia or Connecticut or somebody like that, um, everybody would have to agree to it again. That then could open up the, the Pandora's box tour in a good way towards uh, renegotiating the TV deal with ESPN. So, right, uh, which is what I said could be going on, could be going on behind the scenes. And if the ACC needs more money, then to expect ESPN just to arbitrarily say, you know what, you guys, you know, this deal is not real fair to you. We're gonna we're gonna renegotiate it right now. I doubt that that happens, but if the ACC can enhance their product, like you just said, adding Notre Dame full-time, maybe convincing a West Virginia, which has a great fan base, you know, doesn't bring a whole lot of market to the uh, It actually brings, a, it brings the other half of the Pittsburgh market. Uh, so it, right. so it could bring, so it could bring a decent market share, brings a great fan base to a conference that now you have Notre Dame, Florida State, Clemson, West Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, who am I leaving now? I, I would say Miami, but they they traditionally don't have a fan base, not not really. But they they have national fans though. They're kind of like Duke basketball. Yeah. They don't they'll draw. They could they could, teams, but they have they have fan because of the the eighties and nineties. They have a national fan base, right? Well, UCLA still living off of what happened fifty years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the the, the John John Wooden hasn't been on. Um, you know he's. Not with us at all now, but he hasn't been in Westwood in 50 years since the late 70s. It was 75 or 76 when he retired, but yeah, that's 
Bill Walton calls the Pac-10 the Conference of Champions basically because of, of what he did for, for in a 12-year period almost 50 years ago. Right, right. So if the ACC then can go to ESPN and say, look, we got an enhanced product, we need more money. And I, I have a feeling that if that were to happen, ESPN would be more than willing to renegotiate because then ESPN would control two of the three super power conferences. They would control the SEC and the ACC. Well, I don't know that, you know, I'd have to look at this more in depth, but it brings a question to me. If, if Notre Dame comes in and, and that changes the nature of the ACC, that, that could, I mean, I would think that there's a possibility that could open up, um, Maybe, maybe I've seen this hints elsewhere that it could open up the idea that the ACC could go out to bid to the highest bidder kind of thing too. I'm not sure that's the case, but I've 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 seen other writers hint. I'm sure there's a clause in that grants of rights that say if circumstances change. Well, the the athletic piece that I uh, actually shared with you and linked to in one of my stories too for our uh, readers out there. Um, the athletic reached out, well, a reporter there reached out to a sports law expert um, who said that it's interesting. He said he, if, if he had been approached by a conference looking to protect itself um, with a grant of media rights agreement, um, he would have thought that it would have probably taken months of work and probably been a 40 or 50 page document. The ACC's documents, a two page document, he said, is a pretty simple document. But he then he the more he got into the analysis of it, he thought that the simplicity of it actually made it even harder to break, <laughs> because um, if you spelled everything out that he would have probably wanted to spell out as a lawyer writing these kind of things up, it would have given you lots of opportunities to say, here's one thing that I think I can I can attack. But because it was sort of just so general that it made it harder to get out of. But that said. Yeah, the grant of the grants of media rights. Um, I, I think it's the, the TV deal between all that. I think that it's it's the the fact that everybody signed the same piece of paper, and if the ACC adds Notre Dame full time or one more member outside of that, even um, you have to get a new piece of paper that everyone signs. <laughs> so right, right. that's that's where this comes to play. It doesn't. But if we're talking about that new piece of paper containing. Um, um, information that stating that Notre Dame is joining yeah. as a full-time member, then every school is going to sign it. Well, but you know what? It makes me think, though, with my limited legal knowledge as a constitutional law undergrad degree holder who went to law school briefly <laughs> and decided that I would rather make my, my money elsewhere, um, and thankfully I have, uh, that if, okay, so if if we have to sign a new piece of paper. I don't have to tell you that I'm granting my media rights through 2036. Right. Uh, I, I, can wouldn't sign it. I wouldn't want to, I would, I would say let's sign it for three or four years and see what happens. And, and so that would actually benefit the ACC in a couple of ways. That's what, that's where I think the out is with ESPN is, that this this contract that's holding us back that's helped us through 2036 if we have to all sign it again you know if i'm clemson i'm not i'm not giving you 12 more 12 or 13 or 14 more years um at this pay rate i will be glad to renegotiate uh if you want to give us a guaranteed amount of money for 14 years or i'm going to sign it and i'm going to say i'll I'll give you my media rights for a couple so the the acc expansion thing can be Interesting in a couple ways, probably more than a couple ways. Absolutely. 
So one one other note that I just did some figuring. So the so currently the Power Five is made up of a pro, I think I my math was sixty five teams. Okay, it sounds right. Okay, but not all those sixty five teams are are equal participants. Sure, not at all. We just talked about that, right? Right. Uh, we talked about the bottom feeders. Yeah. Uh, in MLB analogy, we talked about the Kansas City Royals and the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Yeah. Um, fortunately, we're, we don't have to bring my team into that because they've proven, they've shown, they're spending money. They're finally trying to win, yeah. They want to win. They're trying to they win. To win. Uh, so maybe this two mega conference concept that could end up with – 20 or more teams, I'm hearing anywhere from 20 to 22 teams, which would, which would give us about 44. Maybe that's just a way of weeding out those teams that aren't pulling their weight. Maybe well, that's, that's the way you go from 65 to 44. But you say that, I mean, okay, now I'm going to use your, your story that you tell about Cal Ripken saying that, um, there's so many guys playing minor league baseball who we know aren't going to play in the big leagues, but they need, but the guys who are going to play in the big leagues need somebody to play catch with. Um, Maryland's value to the Big Ten isn't that Maryland brought them anything, but Maryland and Rutgers are, are two wins on your schedule. I mean, we need to, we, we, we can't just beat up, we can't have, you know, if we're going to play a playoff. You can still play them. Well, you can still, but you, you have to have conference games too. It's like we still play. We used to still we used to play JMU and ODU before, not ODU, but JMU. We used to play the FCS schools. Maybe these teams that don't, these schools that don't make these two mega conferences, they still play football. They still play football with the hopes of winning in the same national championship that Alabama is striving for. But they realize they're doing it at a significantly disadvantage because. They're not getting the same amount of money because they're not spending the same amount of Duke's doing the same thing in football. Duke's doing that in football right now. Here's here's what I'd say. Uh, when you think about this kind of looking 30,000 feet down, like they, they say sometimes doing economics, there's a certain amount of money that TV and streaming networks are willing to pay to broadcast college football. And whether there are five conferences with 65 teams or two conferences with 40 or 45 teams, there's a certain amount of money. Now, yes, if you cut out some of those, if you cut out the Vanderbilts uh, uh, and, and Rutgers and Maryland's and stuff like that, yeah, that's, that's more money for the, those who are left. Um, I, I, we don't sense that anybody, there's no, re, there's no talk about contraction here. They're like, you know, like you hear in, Pro, pro sports sometimes there's no talk about contraction here this is talk about expansion um does all the money go to just those two conferences i mean so or is it st there's still 128 school i think it's 128 it might be bigger now I, I, you know jmu's joining the uh, fbs now so might, you know so we're talking about 128 to 135 schools whatever it is um in in um, fbs football um, those conferences, the, the smaller conferences still have TV contracts. They, they don't make the money, certainly, that the big five do now and the big two will in a couple of years. But there's a certain amount of money going out to football. It's, it's going to grow a little bit, but it's going to be what it is. Um, 
unless the Big Ten's willing to get rid of Rutgers and Maryland, which we're not hearing talk about, if the SEC is willing to get rid of Vanderbilt, which we're not hearing talk about, the ACC is not getting rid of Duke for basketball purpose, if nothing else. Um, unless we're talking about contraction, you're just talking about getting bigger. Um, but the pot of money is what the pot of money is. I, I, I don't know that I'm big. It makes sense to me to think that if I'm the Big Ten and I'm 24 teams and I'm the SEC and I'm 24 teams, that that doesn't make Apple pay me, you know, pay overall for football more, or, or doesn't make ESPN pay overall for football more. There's still going to be the same amount of, to me, there's the same amount of money. Um, because in the end, they're only going to offer the amount of money they can offer um, that is justified by what they think they can get back in either subscriptions for their cable networks and or the money they can get back from advertisers. Um, so, I don't, I don't, you know, do you see where I'm going with this? I, I don't know that the pot of the actual overall pot of money grows just because the big 10 and sec get bigger. They might think their share grows, but then you're inviting lots of other people in. And so you got to divide, you, you know, you got to divide that money out to eight, four or eight more schools. Um, does, does it make sense to do that? Or to me, does the, has the big 10, for example, now that they're 16 with the uh, LA market taken in, why, like I saw somebody write this point the other day, why would, why would USC and UCLA, because supposedly the, now the Big Ten's, you know, some people are saying the Big Ten's going after Oregon and Washington. If you're USC and UCLA, why do you invite rivals on your in a geographic area who recruit in your area? They recruit your because, conference. Well, Oregon and Washington recruit Southern California. That's where they get their players from. There aren't, there aren't a lot of players in Oregon and Washington. They recruit the, you know, they recruit uh, Southern California like it's their home base. So why would you add them into your conference, into your new conference? So that right now, if, if you're in the big 10 and they're left out there on their own, the kids who want to go to play in the big 10 are going to go play for USC and UCLA. Um, and the scraps are going to go to Oregon and Washington to play in whatever conference they're left with. Um, I, I, I see that argument across the board. If I'm if I'm big if I'm a Big Ten basketball power, why do I invite Carolina and Virginia in? You know, I want to have an advantage because at some point the TV money runs out, and what we're competing for is shares of the college football playoff, which do go to the schools that win and the conferences that win we're, we're competing for shares of NCAA tournament money, which go to schools and conferences that win. So um, why do I want UNC and U in Virginia to get some of our big 10 money? Um, let them go on fend for themselves, making $30 million less, $50 million less a year to have to, to compete with us. Um, that's what, that's what I can't figure out about the, the idea that there's going to be more expansion. I think that the sec getting Texas and Oklahoma has what could they add to themselves that would make them any better? And I know people can argue Clemson, but you, you know, what does Clemson make them materially better? Argue yes or no. Clemson's a Clemson's a, a city the size of Waynesboro from a market standpoint, um, and and they don't compete well in anything but football. Um, and they didn't even do that very well this past year. Let them fend for themselves. Uh, uh, so, and what can the Big Ten do better than take LA over? 
What are, what else does the Big Ten need? I can you know Notre Dame, yes, but then seventeen is an awkward number from a scheduling standpoint. Maybe you kick out somebody. I don't know. Well, um, and you know, you we we alluded to the fact that UCLA and USC just didn't pick up the phone and have a conversation one night. Yeah, the presidents, the ads, and say, yeah, okay, I think it's a great idea. Let's go to the Big Ten. I mean, that, those were those were discussions that evidently were going on for months. And I'm and, and we're and we also have to be shocked that they were so secretive about that, and it word did not slip out. Yeah, that's that's tough. So if those if they were really doing paying due diligence and doing their homework, getting back to Washington State and Oregon, why would UCLA and USC agree with? If, I'm just thinking out loud here. Why would they agree with the pack uh, to? Uh, okay, we'll come in and I'll eventually bring Washington, bring Oregon, because. The population of Oregon probably is less than three or four million, I would imagine. Population of Washington State or of Oregon is probably three or four million. Maybe Washington is a little bigger, but they're not big. They recruit heavily in Southern California. Right. Why would you want to enhance two of your bigger rivals by would, bringing them into the conference? Don't you think that USC and UCLA would say, yeah, we'll come, but we don't want any company? At least, love, not from the, at least not from our side of the country. What I'd love to see is the numbers that the Big Ten people have uh, in terms of projections, which um, you know they're not going to want to have get out, but I would love to see what they're projecting um, that adding USC and UCLA would do to their league, to, to do to their TV contract. Um, because, again, they don't want to just add two schools, two programs, and then have to divide out the money and still make the same – each school makes the same amount of money. I mean, obviously, the Big Ten schools are saying if we add USC and UCLA, we're going to make more every year um, on top of what we're making now. So I'd love to see those projections, and then I'd love to see that, – that, that's what I'm thinking with it. Every time I see somebody throw out Oregon and Washington to the, to the Big Ten, UVA and UNC to the Big Ten, whatever else, I'd love to see what – projections are, are justifying this because it's one thing to just root for. I want my school to go to the best conference it can go to. I, the ACC is going to suck. I don't want, I want, you know, I want to know what the, what the numbers would tell me what, what adding UVA and UNC to the big 10 would add to the big 10's TV contract. Um, and I would also love to then see what, you know, UVA and UNC project because I, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, yeah, if you're if you're going back and forth, Scott, if you and I are negotiating something, um, I just went through a negotiation <laughs> with, with my business here recently. We have numbers, they've got numbers, but we're not, I mean, we share our numbers with them and they share our numbers with us, but, you know, we're also, we're, what we're not sharing is what we think um, we could do better or worse. And, and they're, they're not doing the same. You always hold something back in negotiation. So I'd love to know what the numbers are uh, on both sides and there's lots of smart people in these discussions and they each have their own sets of numbers they're working off of um i'd love to know what what all these would be uh to justify further moves i and i because me looking at it right now without numbers just using some kind of sense about this it, it none of it makes sense to continue to expand beyond where they are tv market wise otherwise big 10 it doesn't make any sense i don't see what the sec gets but maybe they do, and if they do, uh, and they're reaching out, 
you know, I, I don't think it would happen anytime soon. It would probably be this time next year before we would hear the results of that. Yeah, I think we're close to being able to just uh, take a deep breath and start worrying about uh, actually beating our opponent on a football field. I think so. We have to worry, uh, UVA fans who, who've hung out with us this time, uh, our focus sh- shifts pretty quickly to whether or not we can piece together an offensive line to protect Brennan Armstrong enough uh, to get the ball to that wide receiver core and also get a running game going. Uh, and also, can we can we um, get a defensive line and, and, and set of linebackers who can uh, tackle guys <laughs> and, and a cornerbacks and safeties who can cover guys? So there you go, Scott. Those are the problems we should be talking about pretty soon. And those will be fun topics because there we have a little bit of uh, experience and we and, and it's not all behind closed doors. Yeah, it's out in the open. We've it's got numbers. We've got the numbers there. <laughs> yes. Uh, we can actually um, see it. See it for ourselves. We don't have to worry about what's being negotiated secretly in, on some uh, faraway island or something, you know. That's right. That's right. We, we can uh, go to pro football focus, get some a- analysis, do some. We can tactics. debate. Why is Brennan Armstrong only considered the third best quarterback in the ACC? That's that we can debate that. We can talk about when we go get our Brennan Armstrong happy meal at McDonald's, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> um, that's coming up really soon, hopefully. So, um, well, Scott, I think this has been a really riveting discussion. Thanks for all. Thanks for your input. Obviously, a lot of good questions there leading us down a good good line. And for our listeners out there, thank you for hanging around and, and being part of this. Hopefully this has opened up some of your minds too. Uh, we ways. talked about conference realignment and CTEs. CTE, boy, we talked about, yeah. We, we, we made you never want to watch football again. Then we brought you back and made you want to watch football again. So hopefully <laughs> we took you down a path there. Um, for Scott German, I'm Chris Graham signing off. Everyone have a great day.